do we have you know interfaces within our organization that don't need to be connected to the internet actually connected to the internet so you know just look at all your potential attack vectors and figure out you know what your exposure is this is episode number 137 with danny lopez on this episode of transform talks i'm joined by danny lopez ceo at glasswall an award-winning cybersecurity firm offering protection against file-based threats danny shares insights into the changing dynamic of the security landscape with covid there was a rapid acceleration to digital and operating on the cloud and this transition brought along its own series of risks. Now, the war in Ukraine has exposed even more serious threats. In this episode, Danny dives into his recommendations for emergency preparedness and discusses business continuity. We will also be addressing the many areas of risk for any supply chain leader. This is not a drill. Right now, we must all work together to ensure maximum preparation and secure and protect as many threat vectors as possible. The reality is that we have to operate on the basis of a state of heightened security and create environments where our employees feel safe to alert us to any major risks. Listen to the full episode to learn more. Hi, Danny. Welcome to Transform Talks. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Maria. It's great to join. Why don't we start with, I guess, the, the big question that everybody's on their minds. How do, what's the situation right now from your perspective? It really is moving day to day, isn't it? The risk is getting greater. On, on all fronts, frankly. And I think that where we are is that we have to be ready for, you know, particularly my space and the cyberspace, you know, be ready for attacks just and being on a very high state of, uh, of alert. Because frankly, everything that we've seen over the last few weeks that we were told wasn't going to happen has happened. And obviously there is just, for starters, just heartbreaking tragedy um, unfolding in, in Ukraine right now in terms of what they're suffering and what it means also from a humanitarian and refugee perspective. So that is just just awful on, on, on every single front. And then, as I say, moving feast day to day on, on everything else. And I'm no doubt we're going to talk about cyber risks. But Yeah. I want to ask you a question, and I want you to be brutally honest with me. Here. Sure. Do you think that leaders, whether it be it supply chain leaders or leaders in general, A, were prepared for what's coming, what's happening right now, and B, took cybersecurity seriously enough before Ukraine? Yeah, look, it's a great question. And hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it? In terms of, could we be prepared for something like this? Well, we're just coming out of a pandemic. We have had to adapt massively to what that has meant. As we all know, we, we had to change very quickly. It was a race to the cloud. It was you know, acceleration of digital on, on, on every aspect. We had to deal with that and not easy to be saying, well, whilst we do that, let's plan for a major potential, you know, spillover war in Europe and what that means in terms of cyber risk. So I think it's, you know, I think it's hard to say to organizations, how do you not see this and how do you not prepare? But what I also do think is, is important to recognize is that the, what, we're, what we're seeing here basically is risk being dialed up massively. So I think cybersecurity has been taken seriously. Of course, some organizations more than others and some chief information security officers would, you know, probably excel in, in areas that others haven't, et cetera. But it's been a continuous uplift from spend in the space, the right dialogue happening with vendors, the right solutions being put in place, a, a sort of healthy level of innovation coming in from, from organizations. So I, I think it's, it would be unfair to be too critical. But what is important is to recognize that, you know, the world's changed. We're in, as I said earlier, high state of alert. We should expect an attack. So now it's more about, right, what are we going to do to make sure that level of preparedness is... I think uh, to go back to something you said earlier about the fact that we 
we weren't prepared. What we what was said was not going to happen is happening. Mm-hmm. So you can argue based on that logic that certain things that we perhaps have told ourselves it, that we don't think could happen. Yeah. So we need to be prepared for everything, don't you think? I think this is the thing, right? Because it's, it's almost, go back to day one, troops are on the border, but they're going to stay there. That didn't happen. They might come in, but it's going to be very contained. That didn't happen. And so I just think once you start seeing so much of that unfold, then I, it's not that I'm being alarmist, but I just feel that the only way to look at this rationally is you've got to prepare for the worst and work backwards from there. Because hopefully we won't be in that position. But if we get to that sort of world, then you want to feel that you've taken every single step necessary to be able to be ready. And by the way, what does ready mean? It's not like any organization can put anything in place that says, hey, if there is a huge cyber attack in my company or in my space or whatever it is, I'm ready. That, there's no silver bullet. Well, we don't know what's... We, exactly. we don't know. Exactly. And there's this whole thing around zero-day vulnerability, malware more and more is basically you know, malware that has never been seen before. So it can't be detected. And you know, it can unleash mayhem, right? Yeah. So, so from that perspective, it's just now is a race to make sure that you can be, as I say, heightened alert and be as prepared as you possibly can. And that's really so, all that we can do. So I think step one, as you say, is identify that there is a, a risk. Step two is go into heightened alert. All right. So once you're in heightened alert, what kind of conversations should you be having? There's a number of things. So companies and organizations over the last few years have got cyber rights, organizations where leaders have acknowledged that cyber is not IT, cyber is not just tech, cyber is a risk conversation. So, you know, for me, the first step from a strategic perspective is that this is a risk conversation at exec level where everybody has an opinion and a view and a decision is taken on how much risk you're willing to accept and what you're going to do to be able to mitigate those risks. So that's that you, you're not even talking tech at that point. You're just talking risk. You then have the professionals that should engage with a wider executive team to be able to talk through those risks and then start you know, figuring out what tech can be used to be able to mitigate some of those. The reality is that you can only fight tech with tech. I'm a big advocate for training and I'm a big advocate for staff making sure that they're aware of what can or cannot happen. But if you put all your eggs in that basket, then you know, you've got a bit of a problem. So you do have to acknowledge that you will be relying on cyber solutions that will minimize that risk. So then we start thinking about, have I got the right firewall for starters? Do I have the right technology that can deal with threats and files and attachments? Am I, do I feel comfortable that everybody in the organization has, say, two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication to make sure that IDs are not compromised? Do we have interfaces within our organization that don't need to be connected to the internet, actually connected to the internet? Just look at all your potential attack vectors and figure out what your exposure is. Am I updating my software in the right way and making sure that those patches are coming from verified vendors? You know, there's a very sort of long list of tactical things that should be done from mm-hmm. a tech perspective. But first and foremost, it's the risk conversation and making sure that every single exec voice is part of that conversation. Do you know, I think that is perhaps one of the most illuminating points that you've just said, which makes absolute logical sense when you say it. But I bet you the majority of people, and I'm speculating, would think of cybersecurity as a technical question, an IT question. And I think that you've highlighted a very valuable point that it's a risk 
conversation. That's that is ex- a very valuable point. C- can I take it back a little bit to history? Because hmm. I know I was reading up about and only recent history, really, about the annexation of Crimea and uh, the last Ukraine attack and so forth, that there was a malware that was distributed to, I think, big shipping companies that took them offline for quite some time. Is that the kind of thing that we could potentially be looking at? Would they atta- Would the attacks potentially come from in terms of shipping, in terms of really disrupting the supply chains? Where are we vulnerable? Look, I, I think that we have to, unfortunately, acknowledge the fact that supply chain in all Western countries has been monitored for months and years to see where those vulnerabilities might be. So again, this is not starting from scratch. There's been a lot of work being done already. Just like an invasion is planned for a year or two, potential cyber warfare, same sort of timeline. So that's number one. What's it aiming to do? Uh, more than anything else, it's aiming to disrupt, cause chaos, confuse the population, and then inflict pain. Again, if that's your objective, and then you translate that into the supply chain, then what are you going to pick on? You're likely going to pick on production and you're going to pick on distribution um, because that's going to have mm-hmm. the maximum impact on the you know, civilian population. So, I think that, you know, so first of all is identifying that those two are the most likely. But then w- when you start drilling into what sectors could that apply to or what particular industries, et cetera, it goes back to that first point. What is going to cause the maximum confusion, chaos, disruption, impact, et cetera, et cetera? That's why you always hear people talking about the national grid, utilities more widely, mm-hmm. transportation and logistics. And, and they're the obvious ones because they're the ones that are just going to hit millions of people from day one. So I think that unfortunately, again, I, I never like using this sort of alarmist language, but unfortunately, it's the sort of number one is can this happen? Should we think it might happen? Yes, absolutely. High state of alert. Okay, Danny. So if it does happen, what's it going to hit? I'm sorry, but the answer is going to be any area that's going to have the maximum impact and it's going to inflict the greatest pain. And, and you have to, again, work work backwards from there. And and But the other interesting thing is, by the way, is that from a software supply chain perspective, and we saw this with the SolarWinds um, attack last year, this was a very clever way of picking on a software company that wasn't one of the biggest in the world. It just happened to be used by companies of all sizes all over the world. So you get in at that mid-tier software supply chain level and not make that much noise. And when you turn the switch on, it becomes a huge blow globally to organizations of all sizes. You bring up a really important point. One of the challenges that we're talking to supply chain leaders about right now is mapping out their different tiers of their supply chain, the suppliers of their suppliers, et cetera, and exposing the kind of vulnerabilities that they may have. So is what you're saying not just to look at the cyber plans or the risk plans for your organization, but even deep down into your supply chain? Absolutely. And this is exactly what is happening, particularly with the recent Biden's order on, on, on this, because they realized how vulnerable they were in, in, in this particular case with a software supplier. Every company should be doing this. Look at your supply chain at all levels, all sizes, doesn't matter how big or how small, how much impact they might or not have on so your don't company. Assume, so don't assume they're going to go after the big... No, and, and look, at the first thing, question number one is, do I have any Russian companies in my supply chain? And they might be really small. And that has to be looked at seriously now because mm. you just don't know whether that's going to lead to a, a, a level of, of compromise. But then whatever standards you are imposing on your own way of doing things within a business, make sure that those standards are being adhered to and get justifications and proof from your supply chain suppliers. And if you don't feel comfortable, do something about it. Because the Solar Winds episode taught us that actually they had a lot of vulnerabilities. 
and nobody knew about them. But if you really demand those certifications and really demand that proof, you could have probably figured it out. Yeah, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to make sure that organizations are you know, doing a full analysis on the risk posed to them by, by the supply chain. And all the way through. All the way through. All the way through. There was a, a case that I just read about a company that was not aware that they're one of their tier two or three suppliers was getting their IT outsource services provided by Russian firms. Mm. And they were down due to the current situation. And so as a result of that, that had a knock-on effect all the way through to the main manufacturer. So clearly you see cases like that. And look, think, think of how many services, digital services we all rely on. So you, know, you might think that your biggest risk is with your huge contract with a logistical company, but then you happen to have a really small accountancy package, which is not even your main one, but you just happen to have a really small accountancy package, which is really cool. It works very well for the size of your company, et cetera. And you get a message saying, oh, that package just needs to have a quick patch or a software update. And you double click thinking, of course, I'll get an update. And then all of a sudden, you've opened up yourself for something bad coming into your organization. And the same with files and attachments, which, by the way, is around 70% of the source of malware coming into an organization is that simple double click on a word or a PDF attachment. It, it must terrify yeah. you. It must terrify people like in your position, the number of attachments that are sent by emails between each between people. Well, it does. And, and it's obviously if that's our bread and butter, that's what we deal with. But we see the risks being so high. And what you see there is that this technology, the technology, the solutions that we've relied on in the past for years now, which is essentially antivirus technology, is not enough. And you know, if you think about it, it's really simple. Antivirus technology is relying on something that they recognize. And the bad actors are sending stuff that's completely new. Of course, they're not going to recognize it for a few hours until they figure out what it is. So it's, it's those sorts of, and that's why you have technologies like you know, content disarm and reconstruction, which is essentially amplifying and filling the gap that's, that antivirus technology doesn't have. But it's those sorts of things that need to be looked at seriously. And, and I would never expect, as I said earlier, a CEO, CFO, and others to suddenly become fully conversant on a full array and spectrum of cyber solutions. But if they're having the right risk conversation, They'll demand to get that information from their chief information security officer or their outsourced security team or whatever it might be. Apart from the one thing that you said, which was about cybersecurity not being a technical IT question, it's a risk question, which I think is a very valid point. Is there anything else that executives and leaders get wrong typically about cybersecurity? Well, one, which is a very practical one, is that if you suddenly feel like something's come in or there's been an attack, it, it, and, and this I always raise it because it's such a We've seen this over the last few years. Is, oh, I'll fire my chief information security officer because you know, he or she clearly wasn't doing a good job. And the average tenor of chief information security officers is something like 16 months for that very reason, because it's just very easy to pass on the blame. So the first thing is rely and trust your security team if they are doing a good job. It's not going to be their fault if something mm -hmm. comes through, but they're working day in, day out to make sure that they're as prepared as they can. The second thing that I would raise, and th this is to me, you know, it's going to sound so simple, but it's so important. Everybody, regardless of their knowledge of technology, might identify that some threats are coming into the organization. Did I open an attachment that I shouldn't? Did I just let an email through that looked a little you know, odd? But when those sorts of things happen, staff in organizations, large and small, should be encouraged to put their hand up and say, I have no idea, but this felt a little strange. We should look at it. And I know that sounds simple, but I can't tell you how many attacks would be stopped and more, more importantly contained if that happened. But unfortunately, we live in a culture where 
we all think that something bad's coming our way. You definitely don't want to be the person who opened it and let it mm-hmm. into your organization. So maybe something comes through. I'm going to keep quiet about that. And I've seen so many times what should have been a really contained attack to one person ends up being 150,000 people because that culture doesn't exist. So when somebody puts their hand up, whether they're right or wrong, that should be celebrated. And never should people feel that there's a potential to lose their job because they tried to alert. And those two things, as simple as they sound, a couple of examples of, it's a change of culture ultimately, isn't it, Maria? That's really what it is. Of course. But, and I think that goes hand in hand with the point that we made earlier, that you made earlier about the fact that we don't know what's coming and we need to be in a heightened state of alert. Yeah. So because of that, I think that the advice here would probably be, and, and correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth, would be create a culture where you allow people to alert you at, mm-hmm. when there's something suspicious. We did this after terrorism, after all yeah. the terrorist attacks that we've had. We have created a culture in the in our communities where people are able to say, Hey, like we have here in the UK, what is it? See it, say it, all, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah, we need, yeah. Do we need to, do you think creating that kind of culture now in a heightened state of war, because let's call it what it is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that, that could help cybersecurity? Completely. And by the way, we found ourselves in this really horrendous situation, haven't we, in the space of two weeks. But that does not mean that we can't take very simple actions from right now. No. So every day that goes by is a day you've lost, obviously, in, in, in being prepared in the right way. But it also doesn't mean, as I say, that these simple steps won't have an impact. Start with, if, if you don't have the basics, then don't try and accelerate that and do something more complicated. Always start with the basics. And there are various, the, the NCSC, which is the National Cyber Security Center here in the UK, which is world-class, and we're very fortunate to have an organization like that in the UK. They have some very basic steps that organizations should be looking at to have what I would call pretty elementary cyber hygiene. But if you mm-hmm. don't have the elementary cyber hygiene, you're never going to move on to, to the next level. So, mm-hmm. you know, so start small, start there. grow from there. Absolutely. Before we go, party, any parting advice that you would have for supply chain leaders globally at the moment in terms of who are, like everyone else, probably contingency planning, scenario planning, what advice would you have for them with regards to cybersecurity? You mentioned contingency planning, and we haven't spoken much about that. Business continuity plans now, never have they been more important in terms of making sure that from a worst case scenario, organizations figure out how they might be operating at some degree. We live in a world now where you can't just say, we'll switch offline and we'll be fine. You know, but assuming that a high degree of offline threats are coming our way, how would we operate? I think that's step number one. And then I repeat really what I've said, what I've said earlier, Maria, which is if you aren't in a place right now where you are expecting an attack in the next few hours, then you're looking at this the wrong way. And that is not supposed to be a, and therefore panic, but that's mm-hmm. supposed to be a, so that should be, you know, the trigger for you to start looking at this. You know, it's prudent. utmost priority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the other, and yeah, exactly. And there's no silver bullet, Maria. This is the other thing, I, I think my part, because it's so mm-hmm. easy to say, well, if you're fighting tech with tech, then we'll just throw everything at it. And I'm sure there's no silver bullet here. But what you're trying to do is cover as much of your set of threat vectors to ensure that you are as prepared as you can at any point in time. And you'll be better prepared the day after and the day after that. But you know, if you don't start from now, then you know, if that impact arrives and you haven't done much about it, then clearly it's going to cripple your organization. And we've seen that. And, and we've seen in Ukraine over the last few days, particularly the first days of the invasion, simple attacks on banks, every bank being taken down by a denial of service um, attacks, overwhelming networks. 
that, that's it's a very easy to bring an organization down, but it's also very easy to bring that organization back up again if, if you've taken the right step. So it's, it's those sorts of things. And yeah, look, I've got a, long, a list as long as my arm in terms of the sort of tech measures that can be taken, but start with the basics and grow from that. Danny, I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for talking to us. Hopefully we'll be hearing from you again and stay safe in the meantime. We'd love to join. Thank you. You too. And thank you very much. And for those of you listening, we'll catch you at the next one. Thank you very much. Thank you.